Well, welcome to a new episode of Trending Topics with BB. Um, it has been a long time coming, but we finally figured out all our technical issues today. <laughs> um, so welcome, Denzo, to the podcast. I want to talk Thanks for having me. about a lot. Let's see if we can get a lot in because we had a chat on the Groove Cruise in January. So, um, Yeah, this is uh, quite yeah. some time in the making. Yeah, it's been a while. This is not last group cruise. This is like last, last group cruise. Yeah, two group cruises. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's probably mostly my fault. Well, you know. It's because I'm not going to lie, I probably kind of forgot about it. Because, you know, like when you talk to people in the group cruise, you know. You've yeah. Been like two or three days straight. Exactly. <laughs> things get said. Sometimes <laughs> you remember something. Sometimes you don't remember. And, you know, it's group cruise. True. <laughs> Awesome. So I want to start with, Tell me. I want to start with how you got into, well, twofold, because I did see you, was it last week, spending vinyl at a like lounge? Mm. That was cool. So we'll talk about that. But first I want to get into like, you're in sound engineering and then we'll talk like more about your music journey. So kind of start with the sound engineering side, and then we'll get into like producing and DJing. Sound engineering. Okay. Well, I think first, I first was a DJ before I was okay. a sound. Oh, we could talk about that. Sound engineer. But uh, no, we could talk about sound engineering. I okay. mean, uh, technically, I guess I am a sound engineer, but I'm not a sound engineer. Because I think, because I don't have an engineering degree in sound. Okay. Or an audio, you know, audio engineering degree. So uh, I guess you technically you can't call yourself an engineer unless you have a degree in engineering. But can um, you though? Because you work in it. You work at space. Yeah. So. Technically, I'm a sound technician. Oh, technician. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a technician by trade. Okay. So, but... You know, I started when when I started. Well, I guess that's how you develop. I developed as like a a DJ, then production, and then sound engineering. Gotcha. So before that, before all that, I was a DJ for since like ninety eight, ninety nine. Did you start then, on vinyl? Oh, yes. It was, well, back then it was only vinyl. Well, I know, but some people like mm. started a little bit later and then went to vinyl because, you know, uh, like, no. you know, for technique. So did you start on vinyl? Yeah, I guess, I guess people do that because of like nostalgia. I think that'd be cool because I would have been like, I would have been, I'll, I, I don't want to talk bad about that I'll, because I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, oh man, that must have been cool to play like records if I started like on CDs. Just, just so I can get like that aspect. Like I don't want to miss that. Like miss the '90s or late '90s or the rave scene. And like, oh man, I wish I could have done it. But you know, I grew up more in like the early 2000s and stuff like that. So I probably would have done the same thing. But yeah, back in those days, I mean, it was like '90 mid mid to late '90s. It was, you know, you can only buy like those 12 inch singles on 12 inch. So you had to build like a collection, which was really expensive to do. Now that I think about it, because if you want to make like a CD, you need like 10 to 13 songs and 
those those import records were like 12 13 bucks each so you're gonna drop like 150 dollars just every time you want to make a compilation or something or like a mix cd instead of now it's like you know do it for peanuts you know but yeah i started off with vinyl and then i eventually went you know to cds and then i started using like tractor and computer stuff and just making it easier more organizing stuff getting stuff in key because i don't have too much of a musical ear to get because you want to make songs like in key you know in musical and like key and all that but when it came to like uh, getting all your music organized that's when i moved into like computer-based you know stuff like track there and serato so you can get everything in key and bpm quickly you can just sort through your music a million times but and then after all that dj stuff i guess i started i knew a guy who was like oh you know you know i make it been making beats and all that like i didn't know anybody who could make beats and then he started uh he started showing me uh how uh how he does and all that and that kind of blew my mind and then i did that for a few years but then all the engineering stuff happened when i was like about ready i was like oh you know pretty into music and all that so maybe i should maybe go to school for it maybe go to sae or full sale because there's two schools that are kind of buying me in florida which is in in north miami there's sae school of audio engineering and then one in orlando called full sale and then i think i talked to somebody like an acquaintance about going to school in full sale orlando or you know like he got a degree he's like you know what you kind of don't need it he's like everything i learned you can learn in the library he's getting a library card <laughs> you get some books here and there and he's like yeah he's like don't he's like to be honest don't do it just save your money and i was like then i was like in a dilemma i was like holy shit i you know yeah I saved i like sold my car like i sold a bunch of stuff i was like i was really gonna do it and then i was like you know what? How about we just skip all that and open up a studio? I said, like, how do you learn? Let's learn by, you know, actually doing it. Not theory, but actual practice, right? So I was like, let's just open up a studio. Let's uh, do like recordings and single track recordings. Let's do like simple stuff, just recording like hip hop artists or vocalists who need demos or stuff like that or voiceover stuff, like easy stuff for like film students like that. And then, uh, so I partnered up with a friend of mine, like a childhood friend of mine named Leans. And uh, we um, were like, he he's uh, he comes from like a hip hop background. He's like an MC vocalist and he does, uh, he makes like hip hop beats and eventually got into like drum and bass and all that and some dubstep. And we we're like, oh yeah, let's just open up a studio so we can work on our own music, right? And then after that, you know, start like charging people to work on their music or record their stuff. And so I did that for 10 years with him. And that's how I learned about, you know, music production, sound engineering, mix engineering and stuff like that. Awesome. And so you mentioned hip hop. So did you start in? No, he did. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, he did. He started 
I mean, a lot of people have that background where they started off with like hip hop, R and B, like soul, like kind of background. But no, I started off with like like straight electronic music, I guess. Okay, so when did you fall in love with electronic music? When you were younger than that, or growing up? Because I know like a lot of us. Well, I I fell in love with it in the nineties, but yeah. like when did you? hear like what was one of your first tracks you ever heard and like when did you fall in love with it that's a really good question all right let me let me give a i should probably would have said, should have said this in the beginning of this interview but let okay. me give a little disclaimer <laughs> okay you know? uh my memory is not great so i might my am i i'm bad with dates and i'm bad with names so if i get some names wrong or i forget a name or I get some some of the years or whatever wrong. I apologize right now <laughs> because those are the two things I'm really bad at. Okay. No worries, but you know, kind of. <laughs> Just in case there's someone watching this and they and I forget their name or <laughs> I forget about them, you know, just I, I'm very sorry. <laughs> but uh, no worries, but yeah, go back to like when you fell in love with electronic music. That's a really good question. Um, in my brain, I think it was probably early 90s or mid 90s, probably early. So I had a cousin. I had a cousin that was older than I am. And then he, uh, I know we were listening to music. And I think uh, the first thing that popped up was like, show me the, the prodigy. So the first thing I heard was like, uh, the prodigy uh like experience album i think it was and then after that was like music for the jilted generation but it was like uh yeah when i heard that it kind of uh blew my mind like electronic music like really really hard uh but before that i think i heard like i think it was like art of no art of noise moments of love or something like that like that type of 90s yeah that's awesome but like yeah it was early it was it had to be like 92 93 and he was like, listen, I'm like, what is that? And he was like, oh, that's the prodigy. And I'm like, oh, my God. Because he was into, like, mm -hmm. the stuff that was, like, mixed with, like, kind of, like, rock and electronic music. Like KDMF or stuff like that. Right. Like a little Depeche Mode. But then I heard the prodigy. And I was like, holy shit, what is that? But, but when I was, I guess when I was a kid, I grew up listening to, like, pop music, I guess. Like Michael Jackson and early like early dance music maybe but i don't know it's all it's it's all a blur to me <laughs> yeah i mean it's there's so much out there and there's so much we probably heard but like uh so that type of music in the prodigy so how do you feel like your evolution of listening is because like i started with trance like yeah. robert miles children was mine mm. and then like i heard paul van dyke yeah i heard that in the radio i remember yeah. I remember hearing that in the radio and that was crazy because I think that was like, the first time I heard it. something like that on the radio. Right. And when I heard it on radio, I think like power 96, I'm like, Oh my God, they play this on the radio. Cause I think I've only listened to stuff like on tape. Gotcha. Like, because when I, when I, when I heard that, like, uh, I think we were like at my grandmother's house and he brought some like tapes or something. Yeah, it was like, it was all, it was all tape. It was like bootleg tapes or recorded tapes from like a recording, a recording, a recording, a recording. And then that's how I got into that. Because I remember tapes were cheaper too. I think CDs 
kind of just came out. I mean, series came out like a late '80s or something, maybe. Uh, and everything it was just cheaper to buy tape. I remember the first tape I bought was, I think, was a Prodigy tape or a Moby tape. Moby was a Moby. huge back then. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a Moby tape. I can't ever. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it was no, it was it was something called it was like weird stuff. It was something called like Killer Techno Volume Five or some shit. <laughs> and I had it was all like a I think it was like I don't think it was like it was like a New York based uh, label. I think it was called Sonic Records or something like that. And then they had a lot, a lot of Moby track, but I think Moby wasn't even called Moby back then. It was called something else. Well, he had. A, I think he had a few aliases. Yeah, yeah, it was something else. And then I, then I think I looked it up, and it was some guy named Moby or whatever. <laughs> some dude named Moby. Yeah, right. right. No, but it was like it was like I don't know if it was hard techno or some kind of techno. I don't know. It's hard electronic. I remember back then everything was called techno. Like well, or just like, called dance music. There was no yeah. real, like breakdown of subgenres or electronica. Yeah, because they were they were called uh, was specs music. I think it was. Yeah, I think, I think I don't know if Specs is a Florida thing, or Miami thing. You know, Specs Records or Specs Music. I don't remember seeing that somewhere. Yeah, Specs. because I remember buying. I think I went to like a Specs when I was a kid, and I, like I wanted to like buy something. You know, as a kid, you you don't have your own money. You know, so it's not you buying; it's like your mom buying it or mm-hmm. your dad buying it or some shit. I think it was my mom. She's like, and I grab. I went to like like the electronic section. Like the first thing I did, electronic section. I didn't know anything else. I got like I think there was a Moby or a Prodigy's tape. I, I can't remember. No, I think it was the Killer Techno tape. I, I think I bought it. it. Was you know, and everything's import. But the funny thing is that the label is freaking from like New York or some shit, and they call it import and they charge more for it because it's electronic music. You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, it was weird. But I could be mistaken though. But uh, I remember because well. The thing is, probably could be mistaken because I because I remember my mom saying like, "Yo, this shit's expensive. Like, what the hell? Like, get some other thing. You know, <laughs> you're like in the most expensive aisle. You know, right? And uh, like clearly remember that. Like, my mom's like, yeah, crazy man, get some. I think Michael Jackson was cheaper or some shit. Uh, but uh, and then I put uh, I bought it and then I put it in my mom's tape deck and my mom's like what the fuck it was like hard like <laughs> like crazy stuff but I think yeah I think probably that's that's what started my journey and, and so music did you immediately think about like how do I produce this type of music or make this type of music or did you oh no come to the conclusion that you were going to DJ or no, 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 I think it was just, I like, I like being like just a listener of music, you know, gotcha. I think that's why I came from because I'm not a dancer or break dancer or anything. I just, I just listen to me. I mean, I'm a kid. You don't, you don't know anything at that, right. at that age. I mean, I literally was like preteen or something like I had early access to music and, you know, my brain was like, oh, this is amazing. But my brain, you know, I wasn't a smart kid either. I know I was like, you know, some dumb little shit. But as a kid, I was like, oh, I just want to be, you know, I just want to listen to it. And I just want to be around it. That's it. Actually, not even around it. I don't even know. I don't even think I even knew where like nightclubs were back then or anything. You're so young. You just listen to it. 
and that's it you just want to keep on listening to it and you do whatever you can just to listen to it beg your mom to buy you a tape or try to go to like somebody who's older to like uh make you a copy of something because i mean i was really young i mean young where you're like you're like like in elementary school or something right and i really i I th- now that I think about it, I, at a super young age, while everybody was like playing like Pogs or something, remember those? Yeah. <laughs> those little flip games or something. Yeah. I was listening to like weird stuff and watching weird shit that I wasn't supposed to watch, like, ho- That's like how I was. horror movies and like fucked up anime movies and stuff like that. And for some reason, I can't remember why, but at a really young age, like elementary, I was watching like hardcore anime with blood and guts and like nudity and stuff like that and then listening to like hardcore like like drug music <laughs> you know and I, you know i'm like you know 10 or 12 or something you know right so that that mindset hasn't kicked in yet i think i think that mindset didn't kick into like maybe during during like uh when i just started high school or something where it's like where I started going to like parties and raves and stuff like that and you know getting around the scene and and be like, oh, you know, people like there's a DJ, you know? Like you can do that, you know, you can be a DJ. And then I guess maybe then like in high school, going to those raves where like I was like, oh shit, okay. Or I guess or let me back up. Maybe it was like I was trying to get access to this music. And then most of this music only comes out in vinyl records. Because remember, I, I, I remember, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> it's like, hey, remember, buddy. Yeah. Because I started buying records before I had like a mixer or like a DJ setup. So I was buying 12-inch singles and stuff like that, going to record stores, buying those things, just as listed of one by one. And then I think eventually I was like, oh, you know, let me get another turntable and another mixer. Like I saw like in the raves and stuff like that. And like, oh, let me just start making my own like mix tapes and stuff like that, which I still have. I have them laying around somewhere. The actual tapes I did like back then in the late 90s. And just started making my own like mix stuff so I can hear it myself. Not even thinking about it. So other people can hear it. So... So more the DJ and you were thinking like, not necessarily that you were going to be a DJ, but you were just listening to music and feeling like this is cool. And then going to those raves and parties and stuff, you were like, oh, okay. So people DJ this for a mass group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Those, 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 I remember, let's see if I can remember. Right. I mean, there was like warehouse parties in North Miami back in the day. So it was either in high school because I went to high school in North Miami and uh, and in Hollandale. In North Miami, there was like warehouse district, like in front of like FIU, the university here. There's a bunch of warehouses. People rent out the warehouses, just put like a shitty sound system, a fog machine, a strobe light that just never stopped. You know, if you were prone to seizures, you were fucked. <laughs> no one gave a shit back then, and uh, they had like like six foot nitrous oxide tanks that's like five foot and people are just huffing gas in the corridor like all night you know doing ecstasy i mean 
that was like the summer of love or something. <laughs> it was like everybody doing ecstasy, you know, ecstasy yeah. just came out, you know, and you can, you, can ima- you can imagine when ecstasy just first came out, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Especially, especially when like, this is all new, like yeah. when it was raves and the music. Oh, yeah. You can throw a party any, well, you still can, but I think the enthusiasm about throwing parties back then was like so much, so it was so great, you know? Because, you know, the drugs came up. Because I think, you know, music and drugs, like, go hand-to-hand, whether you like it or not, you know? So, and how, how music is made corresponds to, like, whatever drug is out at the time, too. Like, like Pink Floyd and LSD or some shit, you know? Right, well, you have to think about it. Like, a lot of the musical geniuses that we know, even that are in electronic music, if you were influenced by something... Because at one mm. point Ray Charles was on heroin, and yeah, you know there was there's they were all influenced by something, and yeah. it, you can't really deny that like, you know, it's I just thought about that like years ago. I was like, all these like musical geniuses have been affected by some sort of drug or yeah, something. I'm sure, I'm sure Beethoven was drinking and yeah killing bottles of wine every like five minutes so <laughs> or whatever they did back then you know yeah <laughs> i'm sure he was writing like and just like <laughs> you know yeah so the piano. yeah i would i would agree that like yeah it, in the scene now it goes hand in hand i actually yeah was it mozart like an alcoholic you know like <laughs> probably <laughs> um so yeah so that's cool so like moving to that so so you grew up in Miami and you've stayed in Miami. Yeah. I mean, Miami, you don't know, you don't realize how awesome Miami is until you leave Miami. Right? I've, I've loved visiting there every time. Because you don't know, you don't know, you don't know you live in like a cool place until you go other places. Right. So Miami, I mean, I love Miami. Miami so much culture. It has everything, so many different people. And I think that's how you can get like involved in so much different aspects of like different types of music and stuff like that. And I think Miami has the luxury of that, you know, and nightclubs and stuff like that. I mean, Miami nightclubs in like the eighties and seventies and stuff like that. I mean, it just, it just adds to everything and then you have more access to it. And then I bet you our record stores are pretty really good to like imports and exports and stuff like that from like New York and Chicago and all that. And we get all the records and like that too. But I mean, yeah, I was born and raised in Miami. Why do you think, other than like what you just said about all the culture, which I've seen since I've been there a few times, Mm. why do you think that like electronic dance music became so ingrained there? Because with Miami Music Week and the Winter Music Conference and just the scene throughout the year, not even just that. I mean, that week's always insane, but like why space became such an institution where you work now and why, why do you think it's like built? I know it started back then, but why do you think it's sustained through everything, especially since now that like some people would say electronic dance music is commercialized with all the festivals and all the like Hmm. popularity that it has now compared to like more of the underground scene. So why do you think Miami has been like a great host? (laughs) 
It's because it's a party town. <laughs> Miami's been, you know, it since, you know, since like the 80s, you know? Yeah. Sex, sex drugs, and rock and roll, you know? <laughs> Import, export, you know, of many things. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's true. So it's very, well, think about it. Miami's the center of like the Americas. I mean, it's literally central, centralized. I mean, we have north south central america all of the caribbean islands and everything it just likes you know it's a hub for importing exporting a lot of goods and some of those goods are good or bad so a lot of, and there's a lot of money involved you know a lot of real estate and with all that money you can buy a lot of real estate which is nightclubs <laughs> a lot of people are getting wealthy they need a party hang out have a good time and then there's so much culture and music here that you can you can you know dip your hands in like you know like Caribbean music, Spanish music, you know whatever, and you know rock and roll and electronic music and stuff like that. So it just it's just it's a great melting pot for all music cultures and and atmosphere, and just makes this thing you know happen in Miami. Which we have twenty four hour nightclubs. We can party till whenever. I mean, I think I don't think it's ever going to go away. I think nothing's going to stop until unless you know the apocalypse comes. You know, when the aliens invade, even when that happens, the aliens are going to be like, "Yo, all right, we took over this place. What the hell is there to do?" I mean, <laughs> yeah, we got to do something. Everybody's our slave now. We can make them do whatever they want. You know, what are we gonna do now? We're bored, and then I'm like, "Oh crap!" They got like you know music and this crazy thing, and they're gonna be partying. We're gonna be partying with the aliens. That's gonna make us all together again. And they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, you know what? These guys are cool. They know how to party." And then <laughs> it's gonna continue on. So I guess I want to talk about kind of segue in a little bit about production and working with, with Car- like the group at Cold Harbor. Yeah. That I'm a huge fan of, and Marcus Schultz and everybody. So, mm. like, how did that journey happen? Because I know, like, being somebody from Arizona, I know that Marcus started here and then ended mm. up over in London and Cold Harbor, and then ended up in Miami. So, I know in his Miami. story. So, like, how did the how did your worlds collide to join the Cold Harbor family? Uh, this is like I think mid two thousands, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Well, I've already had I've already had my studio. I already was uh, working music with a few artists. Uh, I was working with uh, with an artist named Kano, DJ Kano Dion. We were producing a bunch of records for uh, like uh, uh, David Forbes's label in Scotland, and uh, we were doing all that. So um, I think. Uh, I linked up with uh, Tim, Tim Gruby, and in Miami. I think he just moved to Miami, and we were doing we were doing this little residency party at the Electric Pickle. Well, we were trying to bring like like trance music to the pickle, which is something they don't do. It's either you know they're kind of snooty over there, Well, they were. Where it was like house and techno. And then we were doing like a, a trans party on, I think on Thursdays or something, like once a month, like a monthly called The Vanishing Point. And then uh, we were doing that once a month. And then uh, 
DM was like, hey, you know, we're going to have a guy named Tim. He's He runs like Cold Harbor, the studio, uh, the label, everything. He's Marcus's like right-hand man. And uh, he's going to play with us. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, whatever. You know, the more the merrier, whatever. So we met up at the Electric Pickle. He was, uh, we met there and uh, he was a cool guy. He was like, he just moved in. So I don't th- um, I don't think he knew anybody here at the time. And we're like, I'm like, yo, dude, we're going to hang out. You know, we got a studio. You want to come chill, blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, yeah. So we started linking up together, uh, like in the studio. And I think we did some other gig together, some DJ gig. I don't know. A memory. Um, I think one day he was like, hey, we need somebody in the studio to do like uh, uh, like office stuff. Office stuff, like, you know, go through emails, uh, sorting out like um, stuff for uh, music, for like the radio show. Because uh, like demos and promos, they're like, for those, there's like emails, like 400 emails a day or 300 emails a day just sending music to Cold Harbor, la- the label and to Marcus to like uh, for the radio show, for Global DJ Broadcast and all that. It's like insane. So one week, not answering email, you have like a thousand something emails to sort through just for music wow. and crazy stuff like that. So like, oh, yeah, we need somebody just to do that. Just like, you know, I guess they were like, oh, you got an ear, you know, you're a DJ, blah, blah, blah. Listen to music. It's pretty much what a DJ does. Like when you're a DJ, you get sent like a shit ton of music. Well, depends who you are. You get sent like promos and demos, like record pool. You're in record pools and they send you the emails and you listen to it and you're like, oh, delete, 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 save, delete, delete, delete. It's mostly 90% delete and 10% you keep. And then you put that, you know, put that music together and you do like for your radio show or your podcast and stuff like that. So I, I've been doing that for, you know, for a decade already. You know, you do that. It's like it's like buying records, but not going to the record store. The records get sent to you when you're yeah. when you're when you get to a point in your DJ life or career and stuff like that. You don't have to you don't have to buy records anymore, except for now for vinyl. You have to buy vinyl now, yeah. <laughs> but you get I get sent a lot. So. There, uh, you know, I mean, everybody's busy. I mean, you know, it's a full-time job going mm-hmm. to 300 emails a day. That's like nine to five every day, you know, just sorting that. So that's what I did. I pretty much sorted all the music for uh, X amount of years for uh, global DJ broadcasts and like um, for Cold Harbor. So that's how we met it. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and then the rest, to, the rest is history. <laughs> I've been listening to Global DJ Broadcast for a long time, so yeah, yeah me too. Uh, Actually, you know what? I, I, if we can go back, uh, I have I have Global DJ Broadcast on tape and mini disc that I used to record on the radio. Remember mini disc? Yeah, yeah. I used to have have them on mini disc. I just record them and listen to those and and. Uh, in like junior year in high school or sophomore year in high school. Wow. That in the late night lab with George Alvarado was a big one. And I think he was before uh, Marcus and he had, he had the only electronic uh, show on main radio, like uh 
Power 96. And that was the late night lab. That was actually, actually when I, I think that kind of started it off too. Because when I listened to George Alvarado on, uh, on the late night lab and Power 96, and then I was like, oh man, this is like a DJ set, constant, like one song of the other, you know? It was like a long mix and it sounded so good. It was very trancey and housey at the same time. And I think that's probably also what started off me like, oh, you know, let me like get two turntables and a mixer. I remember that was that was the mid nineties. So props to Georgia Borado. And we already talked about like back then, like we didn't really talk about genres like we do now and distinctions between yeah. them. So you talked about moving to that venue and trying to get them to play trance when they were more receptive to techno or house. Yeah, or techno house guys. Yeah, electric. Have you ever heard of the electric pickle? I don't know if I've been there. I don't know. It's like a super underground place in my was there. It's not there anymore. Yeah, I don't think but I've like been there. A very super underground place. You know, there's always these little pockets of the underground of the underground places in Miami and stuff like that, like super small, intimate venues only holds like a hundred people. But those are like the vibes. Those are probably like really good. Like the dark intimate vibes. It's not too much lighting. You know, it's very dark. You're not getting zapped in the eyes with lasers and stuff like that. You know, I think the less visual you see, the better, like you hear things because your, your brain is only processing sound instead of all the million lights going on you know right well i i prefer like when t- people talk like i in a segue you know i think it's cool that like eric pritz and tell of us are all doing these like crazy mm. visuals at these festivals and stuff but and i think it's cool that there are visuals at venues i can mm. appreciate them but for me i'm i just prefer to if the music's great and the mm. vibes are great I mean, I'm the same, all I'm that the same seems way. a little too much these days. Yeah, I think visuals can be too much because when I like to, when I'm in my hi-fi system downstairs, I just like the lights low, nothing on the TV, just the music, my eyes closed, and just absorb everything. I mean, I don't like seeing all this crazy stuff, you know? Like, I feel like you can hear better. You can identify different sounds better. You know, I think you, I feel like you, you, your senses, when you turn off one sense, your other sense gets more enhanced, you know? So if right. you close your eyes, you can, you can hear the music more, you know? I'm pretty well, sure if you have no hearing, you can visually see and interpret things more and visually better. Well, and just kind of talk about like raves in general, like what, when this all started and like, Anybody could find footage probably in documentaries or not even in documentaries, but the DJ wasn't the vocal point back in the day. They were yeah. like in the corner or in an offset. Yeah. And it was literally just about. I think we need to bring that back. I do too. I think it's slowly coming back depending on where you yeah. are in the event, but that wasn't even the thing. Cause like, yeah, I agree. Like everybody looking up at a DJ now is great, but like, yeah. I mean, I prefer just. I'm glad if the, the tracks are great, then the vibes mm-hmm. are great, and then you're having a good time. It's not necessary for me personally. I don't think that like, oh, I go for the visuals. Yeah. Um, 
I think sound systems like DJ Booth sound systems sound better when they're separated from everything as well, too. Because then when you're like, you're in like the booth and the booth, they want being like on top of the crowd or whatever, see the crowd. And then you get feedback or whatever from the main sound system into the booth. And then you got to crank the booth louder and all this stuff. I'd rather have a booth like nowhere near the main stage or the main dance floor and just have it in its own room, isolated from everything. And maybe just see like a little slit so you can see if people are dancing or not. And that's, I think that's the best aspect of it. Well, that's probably why. Other and plus that, that becomes like the cool room now because you don't see the DJ booth. Everybody's dancing on the dance floor. And then it, it's like a gateway, you know, like, like a little security fence, the people coming in and, you know, and, and, because now the booth is like, everybody wants to be in the booth. It's crowded shit. We need yeah. Like we need security. We need we need so much staff just for people in the booth, and people so, <laughs> security for the booth. We need a stage manager to like you know check like if you're supposed to be in there or not, and like another like uh, uh, booth like waitress and servers and like just for it's like a lot just for the booth. The booth is like a different. It's like a it's like another party room and stuff like that, which is crazy. Yeah, like. I mean, we mentioned Groove Cruise. Like, yeah. if we go back to the Groove Cruise, I think that's one of the best things about the Groove Cruise for those that haven't been on it yet, is that all the like venues on the ship, depending. I mean, sometimes the there's a lot of production in the theater. If there's like the headliners in the theater of the ship, mm-hmm. but like like on the on Cold Harbor Day when you you started and I, we were out there chilling in your set of yeah. the main deck. What's cool about it is like. Yes, you can, but you're also on the main deck and there's room and then there, you're outside, you know, it's open air. It's, I don't know. That's there's good. just the vibe. Yeah, you're, you're in the booth, but it's also like, it, te- it caters. The thing is, DJing caters to people's egos too. It's like, look at me. I'm in the, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm on, on top of the altar, you know, like it's like, <laughs> look at me and then you feed off that and then you know your ego and stuff like that so a lot of people would like to be and you're like you're looking down at the crowd you know (laughs) but you know i don't don't like that it's too much i mean i kind of like to be like the same level as well but still separated right like i wish that booth was a lot lower you know the booth i think that booth was a little too high right just way too high, way up to because I, I, I'd rather be a little low, just a little more chill, relax. It's like, yeah, it's like I'm about to give like a presidential speech or something. Like that, you know? Yeah, big, I mean, yeah, I'm just playing records. I'm not, I'm not doing anything serious, you know. I'm just playing some records, some tunes here and there, and that's it. But I think there's a lot of people like that. That's why you know the booth is packed, and all their friends at the booth, like they're looking down at everybody, you know. <laughs> but I think like. Not to like make everybody mad about it, but like it's weird when you watch sets or see sets or go someplace and the booth is packed with so many people. Yeah. Half the time I'm like, I hope they don't like the thing is people are like drunk and everything. And I'm like, that's really expensive equipment. I know what happened. You know what? It happens. I know. And that's, that's why we have so much. Well, I can only talk for space. But that's why we have so much security. 
I bet. So much. I've seen I've I've seen a drink fly into the booth from out of nowhere, just land in the booth. Yeah. Like right on right. a CBDJ or the mixer. No, thank God, like it missed everything. Oh, but I've man. seen someone just like chuck it into the booth, full drink, and then you're looking for like who did it. Cause I'm gonna kill that motherfucker. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like I'm gonna send like eight security guards over there. <laughs> you know? He's gonna fly out of the venue like uh, like Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> 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 Shout out to Jazzy Jeff, DJ. Yeah. Re- yeah, that's a DJ reference. Cause I was um, a DJ getting kicked out of Freshman's at Bel Air's house. <laughs> he's still DJing. Jazzy Jeff yeah. is. Oh, cool. Jazzy Jeff has the best like uh, live stream on Twitch DJ podcast. DJ set. Have you seen that? Yeah, the the like lunch breaks and like the yeah, yeah. holiday sets. Yeah, the best. They're amazing. I love I love them. Every time I get notified on Twitch, the only time I go on Twitch is for that. It's like, Jazzy, oh Jazzy, Jazzy, oh shit, it's amazing. Yeah, like he's for killing everything. it in the in the stream. Like you think that stream thing is dead or whatever? No, he's like killing it. It's I mean, like it blew thing. up during the pandemic, but like. Yeah, the magnificent house party or something. Yeah, right? yeah, something like that. He's still amazing. I mean, he just and he's like he still looks young. What is he like? Sixty? <laughs> he looks like he's thirty. I still. know. Like this, 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 this industry ages you, right? But he's like. But he's kind of only the cool thing about D- Jazzy Jeff is that he he did his own path and he was always mm. well respected. Yeah. Amongst... Oh, he's a legend. He's a good yeah. producer. He's fucking. You know, he's amazing producer. Amazing DJs. He's amazing anything. He just, just being him, and that's all he needs to do. He doesn't need to do anything else. He's just amazing. Fuck, it's Jazzy Jeff. Right. <laughs> that's all you gotta say. He's good. So, the yeah, where we're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so the scene they... being killed. No, you know what? You know what else killed the scene? No, not killed the scene. I can't say killed the scene. Like, uh, what would made make the scene better if there was? You know, I look. I remember a time. Let me go back. I remember a time going to nightclubs underage. I was probably like seventeen or eighteen or something like that. I'm still twenty one to get in clubs like that. I remember celebrities being inside clubs. I remember you walk in. You're like, oh shit, this is crazy. In Miami, Miami clubs. I'm not gonna say where. Big Miami clubs, like in Washington, whatever. And uh, you're like, uh, oh hey, there's Lenny Kravitz. There he is. Go say hi. There's Madonna over there. Say hi. There's wait, what station? Channel Seven news anchor woman. There's the weatherman, like just like in the venue doing stuff you know that you know you don't want people to see you doing you be yourself you're gonna act yourself because i'm sure you know you have to put this persona like you're squeaky clean and you know doing stuff what people like regular people wouldn't like and uh and that's was that was my experience of being in a nightclub and you can hang out with lenny kravitz say hi to the guy have a drink or anything else with the guy and it was all good. Nobody was there going to see you. Well, the people were there. They saw you, but it would not leave the club. And that was the club experience. You know, you could do whatever you want. Pre, pre-social media, pre like everybody had a phone. 
now you don't see that anymore. Yeah, because because somebody is thinks they're CNN or TMZ, and they're gonna record everything you're doing. Yeah, there was never any evidence of what you're doing, so that's why you can do whatever you want and be a celebrity, hang out with celebrities, which is not a thing anymore. No one, no celebrity hangs out at a, a nightclub and shit. Well, they make they an do, appearance unless they're paid for it. Like but they're Vegas. not. Yeah. They're not hanging out, you know. Yeah, they're and there they're for like, like two hours or getting paid for. Or yeah. Like. And that was that was before cell phones. Mm-hmm. So you don't get I'm glad I lived in the time where you can hang out with like you know, people you see on TV. And it was like that blew my mind. That you can hang out with people you see on TV or you hear like on the radio and it was all good. You can just chill. Now, it doesn't happen anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because of that. Nope. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my camera just died. Sorry. Why did it just die? Hold on. My camera just overheated. Oh, no. That's crazy. It literally just overheat. Yeah, give me. Hold on, let me fix that. This interview is hot, baby. Yeah. It's too hot. Uh, you know, equipment fails. It happens. No, literally the. It says it's too hot in here. Hold on, let me. Let me try to fix that. If not, I got a plan B. I can just. Oh no, it's on high. Oh, this is really let me let me put my AC on. That's probably what it is. My AC off. Well, I can still hear you. Yeah. <laughs> we can still hear you. Sorry for yeah. those that'll be watching this. Wait, hold on. Let me uh <laughs> Yeah, I turned off my AC so it doesn't. Alright, should be back. Am I back? How do I get back? Well, I can hear you. I just can't see you. Yeah, my camera's back on. Let me see uh, if it starts up again. There it goes. Video. Am I back? Not quite. Oh. Wait, hold on. I'm probably not going to edit any of this out, by the way. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) There we go. There we are. Well, the the video won't be edited. All right, let let me put the AC back. There we go. I'm back. Well, if anything, I'll have, uh, if that happens again, I'll have backup at my cheap webcam. There you go. Um, I'll, sorry I'll about that, everybody. There. But anyway, gonna, the point. I want to put the AC on. There we go. Yeah. So, See, what makes you a professional is not things going bad. It's how fast you fix it. Because everything goes bad, no matter what. You can be in like amazing facility. Uh, amazing like technicians and stuff like that but it's murphy's law something will go bad monitors go bad whatever happens it has what makes you a pro is how fast you fix it true very yeah. true and that it gets fixed like yeah that's pretty much my job in a nutshell <laughs> oh, yeah, i want to talk a little bit about that because i we talked about this on the group cruise and then i 
didn't make it out to Miami Music Week, but I'll be out for the group cruise next year. I, one of these times I'm in Miami, I want to go to space. I've yeah. never been to space. And it's such a- Wait, place. what? I know. You never been to space? No, I've been to a bunch of other clubs in Miami, but I've never been to space. Oh my God. Space is like- Mainly because it's usually, usually sold out or like because, I don't know, other situations we end up somewhere else. But mm. like, there's so many people I've wanted to see at space. It's not even funny. Just, just let me know when you come to space. I, I know a guy. So I know. Okay. I'll take gotcha. care of you. Well, I mean, recently, like, so, I mean, Adam Barry's played there. I mean, mm. the list goes on and on and on. But Yeah, it's the it's, who, who's who. Yeah, it's also just everybody wants to get in there, and it's so hard to, like, especially when there's, like, a big name – Oh, because it sells out. Yeah, it sells out. I mean, and we're open late. We're open past, you know, the 5 a.m., whatever. So it's where everybody ends up. So everything's closed. You know, everybody wants to end up there. Yeah, because it never really shuts down. Like, how does it – because if the other clubs shut down at some point, Hmm. why is space still always open? Because we have a 24-hour liquor license. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. So we're allowed to stay up as long as we want. That's why we can stay up days. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, space is, yeah. Space is the place to be, like, uh, for, like, after hours. If you're, you know, you go to a part, it's a good place, to, you know, to end up as well. I mean, you can start your night there, but you can also end up there. Or how the professionals do it. You wake up. At like eight in the morning, fresh as a daisy, have a nice little coffee, maybe have some breakfast or not, have a coffee, have a little brunch session there at space, you know, till like 1 p.m., right? And then, you know, have some breakfast right afterwards, go to the beach. You walk in there like, you know, fresh as a daisy. You're not there for like eight to 12 hours, you know? And that's the best. Yeah, the sun is out because it's outside. It's a terrace. The sun's out, listening to good music. Have a coconut. We have coconuts there. Have a little ginger shot. <laughs> you know? Hell, you can do yoga there. We do uh, space yoga there on Saturdays. You know? Is it? Well, they put yoga mats all over like uh, like gra- fake grass, like AstroTurf. And then you bring your yoga mat. That, that shit gets packed as it gets sold out. You could do... They have like ambient chill out music in the background and that's awesome. Do yoga and stuff like that. But yeah, just wake up in the morning, fresh as daisy, you know, not on a bender. Just listen to good house music, you know, under the sun, you know, it's great. You want a cocktail? Everybody wants to be at space. Yeah, that's great. There was a space in a Biza, right? Like a Biza, and like it, yes. it shut down years ago because I yeah. remember seeing the cult that Carl Cox was like one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that live actually, the Carl Cox final set. Yeah, I played. Uh, if you see me shaking, I'm freezing my ass now <laughs> because the AC is right there. <laughs> well, that's I'll keep that's what I didn't want to happen. That's why that, the camera went hot. Uh, yeah, so Spacey Bees, I've been there. So when I was, oh yeah, so I went to Ibiza, Ibiza. Yeah, as they say. As they say, as the locals say. 
before the Euro. So I was there in you. My dates are going to be off. Ninety nine two thousand. Okay. Is when it was still the Spanish currency. It was like the pesos or pesetas or whatever. And uh, how did I get there? So I'm still young, you know. I'm still like, I don't know, nineteen, twenty. I can't remember. Um, I have a sister, an older sister, that's about like five, six years older than me, or four, five. I don't know. Dates. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, she was stationed in Germany, and she was like, uh, "Hey, you ever heard of a place called the uh, Ibiza?" She's like all my. Uh, she's an. She's a. She's like an officer, whatever, a lieutenant at the time. I'm guessing second lieutenant. I don't know. And uh, she's like, oh yeah, all my officer friends, all my West Point friends, they all keep on talking about some place called Ibiza. You want to go? It's like an hour away from where I am. You know, she's in Germany. She's like, we can just take a flight real quick, fly to Germany, hang out in Germany. You know, we drive around stuff like that. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And it wasn't the euro yet. I think it was still the, the Deutschmarks or whatever. Uh, so I was like, hell yeah. I mean, like, I knew about it because, like, CDs, you know, looking for CDs and stuff like that. Remember the early years of of me listening to music? Um, I was like, yeah, sure, let's go. Fuck it. You know? I was like a kid. I jumped in. Jumped on a plane. I think my first international flight. Oh, yeah, it was my first one. International flight. I think. I don't know. I gotta get back to you. So went to Germany, hung out, went with a bunch of like West Point guys. You know, it's like ten of us, all military and stuff like that, and just partying in Ibiza, like taking out like it was like ten thousand pesetas out of the ATM. Like every, I'm like, man, I'm like rich here, you know, because you're not doing the currency in the math, your math in your head, <laughs> and you're like, we spent a whole week there in Ibiza, and that's when I first went to uh, space. And I went to space there and I walk in. I don't even know what the fuck I was playing, you know? Oh, you know what blew my mind? What, like, really, like, set the, I think, the DJ thing in my head, probably. Like, it was the first time I ever got off, like, or went to, like, a city or something. And there was billboards of DJs. Like, advertisement for a DJ. Like, what is that? that? Like, I never seen that in my life. Like, like they were like the president or something. Like you walk out, it's like DJ this, these. I'm like, oh my God, I know these guys. And they had like their picture on a, like a giant billboard. Like that blew my mind, you know? And then like the label here and the whatever party here, the manumission party, the amnesia party, you know, privilege, whatever. Like, like advertising for a club. I'm like a club, like. Like I was in my eyes, like there's no advertisement for a club. Do you like either someone knew who someone knew, someone knew, someone knew, someone knew, like, Oh, this is the place to go. You know, this is like, you walk out and it's like an advertisement, like, like a car company, you know, like oh. a fortune 500 company, like advertisement for a DJ. And that blew my mind away. I'm like, Holy shit. I guess this is the place, you know, for this, this is like Mecca, you know, it's like a pilgrimage now. So I went, what did I do? I know, I knew, I think I, I don't know if I knew about space. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I walked in there knowing or not knowing, because I remember there was like advertising for everything. I don't think you even had to know there's magazines, you know, it was like no social media at the time. So 
you had to pick up a magazine. All the magazines were like amazing. Uh, tells you everywhere we go. So I went to, I think I went to Spain. I don't know if it was the first time because I know I went to Amnesia, Privilege. Um, well, I'm missing one. I forgot. But I went to space. And then when I walk in, I, you know, I don't remember it being a long line either. I remember just walking in. Because I know, I remember the, the lines were notorious back then. And this was like in July, I think. And I walk in. And then I, for some reason, I walked right into the booth. And I remember that. I think I was a club blagger back then, too, trying to get into places I'm not supposed to. <laughs> and I walk in the booth, and I'm like, wait a minute, I know that. I think I know this guy. And then I realized it's, it's, it's Sasha playing. Wow. And I was like, holy fuck, that's Sasha. Because I remember one, also one of With the first. With Dignity or just Sasha? Just Sasha. I remember one of the first CDs and still my favorite CD to this day is uh, Northern Exposure. Okay, yeah. It's like I have I have the original CD downstairs. I have all the Northern Exposures. And I have all the Northern Exposures on vinyl as well, the hard ones. I even have a Northern Exposure on tape, like the double tape. Yeah, which is really rare. You can't find that anymore. I don't know how I got that, but I got that, the double tape. I wish I can show you my collection. <laughs> so I saw Sasha. I'm like, holy fuck, that's Sasha. And I'm there in the booth. Ain't nobody in the booth. I don't know. That's what I, I remember. Just this is like 99. In I'm in the booth. I'm like, Sasha, I'm just there the whole time. And I'm just there like, and uh, I didn't even get a drink, you know. I didn't even drink. I wasn't on anything. And I was just there hanging out. I was like, oh, Sasha. And it just blew my mind. Like, like this is like normal. You know, it felt like too normal. Like, it was special, but it felt like, oh, I'm just walking here and just meet like a hero of mine and stuff like that. It's just the access was, it was, was, you know, crazy, you know? So I don't remember after that. I don't remember how long I say I can't. I my this is ninety nine, so I don't remember. Uh, I think I went back to the hotel. I think I met a woman. I went with my sister. It was just me and my sister. That's it. And then after that, I think I went to Manumission Privilege, the world's biggest club. That was pretty cool. I think Tiesta was playing, and then I went to uh, I went to uh, Amnesia. The cream cream parties and amnesia. It was no, that's where I saw Tiesto. It was Mario Bukoto and then Paul Van Dyke afterwards and then Tiesto. Wow. Yeah, that lineup. That lineup is insane. Fucking two or three hour sets each. And I think they went back to back at one point. It was crazy. They're all playing vinyl, obviously. Wow. And and then I went to. uh, Fuck, what was the other one? There was another one, Ju- Judge uh, Judgment Sundays I was with Judge Jules. Eden. I went to Eden. I went to Pasha. Pasha. Pasha was so different. I went back like a couple years ago. And I was like, it's not Pasha. What the fuck is this? This is a totally different place. Pasha well, was so I still, much more. That's still on my list. I've never been. But... Yeah, I went there. And it was uh, well, I'm Emerson. Well, i pizza, but... <laughs> So I think it was it was the Ministry of Sound Party, I think. I can't remember. It was Emerson in Pasha. And uh, rest in peace, Eric Murillo. Mm. So it was Emerson and Murillo. 
And also, also, I went to some. So this was July fourth, right? Yeah. So uh, American uh, U.S. Independence Day, right? And it was an American Independence Day party, Apasha, in Spain, and it was all red, white, and blue. Everybody was red, white, and blue, with like American flags and sparkles. Like it was like the best Fourth of July party I've ever been to, and it was not even the United States. I bet. Yeah, oh, it was crazy. I'm crazy. I'm getting excited about it. Now. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was crazy. It was like everybody, people were not from the U.S. wearing like red, white, and blue. Like it was crazy. It was an American part. It was a USA Fourth of July party in Pasha, and I think Marilla was playing. I'm not sure. Either Emerson. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I remember Eric Marilla used to be like one of the residents, like resident DJ there. And yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah, that was yeah night. But then we went again the next following year and then they switched it to the euro and that's when you realize how much money you're actually spending because it's close to the dollar and now the euro is more than the the spanish currency was so it went up and now the euro is more than a dollar oh actually back then maybe the same or maybe like 50 cents more. I'm not sure. But then you're like, you took out like, it's like seven, this is 2000. So 70 euros just to get into the club. And it's like 15, 20 euros for a drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and then I was like, so I maxed. So when I got back home, I clearly remember bank of America calling me and I went over my like, my account. I was in the red. I went negative. Oh and wow! I think, I think back there, you know, back, you know, they they do like um, overdraft fees and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think they implemented that back then, right? Because I was under like red when I got because I was like, fuck, I was like, fuck, this is a lot, and I was like, fuck it, I'm in Ibiza. I'm spending a week here. I'll worry about that shit when I get home. Bank of America calls me. He's like, sir, uh, are you? <laughs> Were you in uh, Spain, uh, Ibiza, like uh, spending money and stuff like that? I'm an idiot. I should have said, nah, my car was stolen. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I never stepped foot in it. Problem is, I bought a plane ticket to Spain. So, <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, of course. They're like, yeah, but you bought a plane ticket to Ibiza. Like, <laughs> obviously, you were there. <laughs> you right. Know? But yeah, that's my Ibiza story. But I went back. I went back again in uh, the year right before the pandemic, 2019. And I went for Marcus Schultz's Schultz's wedding. Mm -hmm. So we went the whole crew, did Marcus's wedding. We stayed there for 10 days. We we did like no clubs. And we just went around the island. And I think I just had just as much as a good time. That the island, you don't realize how magical that island is, you know, when you go to Esfedra and all the remote locations and all that, until you do the island. And then you realize, oh, this is where the magic is. It's just so beautiful, peaceful. The weather's, I've never seen it rain. Well, I've been there three times. It's never rained once. What's the summer? I don't know. But it was just beautiful, picturesque, you know. It's on my list. 
it's just so you have to go. It's just so beautiful. And I mean, the first two times there, we didn't see like the light of day only for after hours, <laughs> yeah. you know, like being in Bora Bora beach or whatever. But when you go there, it's just, it's just, it's just magical watching the sun set in the ocean, like melt into the ocean. It's, it's, it's just so beautiful. And then you're, you know, it's like, yeah, you realize how magical the, the island is. That's what everybody says. It's not even just about the parties that everybody goes through the summer. It's just a pretty place oh. to be. It's paradise. So, yeah. yeah, it's there's two parts of the island. One is like the party side, and then the other one's like you know family. You can it's a it's a family. You can do a family vacation in Ibiza. It's not like hedonism or some shit, you know. <laughs> it's like which I think a lot of people do think that you yeah it's no just it's all about the party it's a beautiful chill party you can have a coffee breakfast get massages or some shit and it's it's beautiful you know you can just relax go hiking go running you know it's yeah it's the other side of the island is just really relaxed you don't have to do anything that's why people some people live there you know you cannot see a party the whole time you're there you know go yeah. need to go. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Like, yeah, I want to go to Ibiza now. But anyway, um, so that's cool. So we talked about kind of like the trajectory of where you, you came to, I guess, to kind of close. Yeah, we're, we're all over the map now. I know we are, but you know. How scatterbrained my is. I'm like... <laughs> I guess to close it out, can, can you kind of talk about where we are kind of like, I want your opinion on how we are like when we talk about genres these days and like, mm. as you can see, I have all these flags in my place. Yeah. And I, I love pretty much the gamut of underground and a certain trance. And I love house. I love techno, but there's kind of like this debate these days about like, but there's also a lot of blending of the genres right now yeah. of like, distinction between any of them and being somebody who listens to a, as much being in the scene you're at space a lot what are your thoughts on like do you think it's going to go back to when people just enjoyed the music i kind of feel like there's maybe the pandemic did a little bit i mean there's still commercialism but what i'm getting at mm -hmm. is we're seeing people kind of go well i just want to have a good time um and you're seeing a lot of like back-to-backs you wouldn't think you would see these days or a lot of collaborations that you're like oh wait they're gonna collaborate they're not really that's more tech house it's not necessarily techno or you you listen to an adam bear set and he'll throw down some trance like what are your it's not, it's not trance it's melodic techno okay, okay melodic techno. get that right we don't but we don't say trance. we don't say we don't say the t word here i know <laughs> I know, so but stupid. like, <laughs> it's dumb. Melodic techno is trance. Trance is melodic techno, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest trance labels in the world was Sven Vass, uh record label, the yeah. I, I recording or whatever. Like, it was all, you could say that was like the birth of trance. It was all trance, mm -hmm. but he's techno. I don't know, it's weird. Uh, I think, I think, well, is this too much like insider baseball, you know? Like we're in the scene, we know what's going on. So we we hear the, like you know these like sub divides of genres and all that stuff. So that's because we're in. 
I think in the normal people, people don't know, don't care. You know? Yeah, but what I'm getting so, at is like to those people that wouldn't know the difference. Like a lot of people don't know the difference, I think. I think we know because we are who we are. But the average Joe, whatever, like, you know, goes to a techno party and thinks they're listening to like pure techno, but it's really like melodic techno, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, there's always been the blends of genres. It's always going on. So it's like, I mean, house is just like disco and some electronic beats, you know, that's all it is. You know, it's a mixture of genres. It's always been a mixture of genres. I think, I think when you try to sell something, you have to categorize it very like narrowly. So, you know, so you can sell that product or image easier to people. That's the only reason. I like EDM is just a term for like journalists to explain this to like the normies, you know? But now EDM is a genre now or something, but it kind of really is. It's just a global term for normal people to understand what's happening and stuff like that. But Which that's is why like, I never use that term. I always, I literally say electronic. Yeah. yeah. I say electronica a lot. Like, Oh, you like electronica? Because that was the name of like the section of like the, the store and back in the mid nineties of like the electronic session. So it was just electronica. Like it's a blanket term, you know, yeah. so normal people know where to go, you know, but, but we know what it is, you know? We know the the genre bending and what it's all it is is what it sounds like. Because for me, I like to use I like to use trance as a blanket term because something can sound trancey, but it's not trance. Like me, for me trance is fucking everything. It could be melodic house, melodic techno, melodic, anything with like a long melodic, you know, like a harmonic minor like build up and stuff like that is, you know, it's trance to me. It's literally trance. Like as me as a trans, like I get categorized as a trans DJ, but my sense is like progressive house, techno, hard techno, like melodic techno, like some trance, you know, but it's like everywhere. It could start off with house or progressive or indie dance, you know, like the podcast I do is like everything, but I'm, I'm like the considered a trans person, but but I don't mind. I don't give a shit, you know, because I kind of blanket term it too. I was like, "Oh, it sounds trancey," you know. I was like, "No, no, no, this is techno." I'm like, "It's fucking trance, bro." <laughs> but I think I think we don't have to worry about that. I think the scene's good. I think everything's gonna go. You know, keep on going. The aliens are gonna come, and uh, they're gonna ask where the party's at, and we're gonna provide it. Well, there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me on the podcast. How I long have we been? How long was it? Over an hour. That's over an hour. Wow. I know. Feels like 20 minutes. <laughs> I can still go. I, I can know. Go. We can talk more shit. I got more Topo Chico left. <laughs> I'm only halfway well, thank, there. Thank you for doing this. And I'm, I'm looking forward because uh, the whole crew's on the group cruise next year for 20. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I just can't wait for the go-karting. I'm a race yeah. fan. So. Or the laser tag. Yeah. The laser tag is going to be. So apparently if you paid 200 bucks, you can go around the go-karts as many times as you want. So you throw it, I guess. I don't know. That's the rumor. Yeah. Uh-huh. I want to, I want to do the go-karts, but I'm sure they're like crappy go-karts anyway, but I just want to be, but it's still on a ship. That's so cool. 
Yeah. I want to do Denzel school of go-karting or something like that, or just teach people how to drive go-karts and stuff like that. That would be cool. Yeah. That's my thing. I'm trying to pitch that idea. Cool. So for the people listening and watching, we can find you on social media on Denzel music. It's all Denzel music because apparently somebody named Denzel just tries to get everything. (laughs) I used to be the only Denzel like 20 years ago. And now for some reason, I don't know what happened. Now, now if you Google Denzel, there's like so many like artists, like music artists for some Hmm. reason. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. Denzel is something I made up. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's Japanese. Japanese. And your podcast you mentioned, when do you drop that every week? When I get to it. (laughs) Because (laughs) my podcast used to be on Revolution Radio. So that was every week on a Saturday, like at 2 a.m., like between like Madaber and Adam Bayer. Gotcha. But I did that for like two years and then like three years before I was doing the podcast. But right now it's like – Maybe every two or three weeks. Okay. Because they got me working at space. So gotcha. I do. I'm I'm on twenty four hour call answering a bunch of emails and stuff like that. But but if you want to listen to the podcasts, it's on everywhere. SoundCloud, iTunes, whatever. Just Denzo music. Actually SoundCloud is Denzo, just Denzo. Okay. Well, if you want like go on B port, see all the music I produce, it's all in there. You can go to oh. Discogs, see everything I ever made, CDs and all that. I'm cool. all on there. Yeah, it's easy. I'm everywhere. Awesome. But, well, thanks again. And no, my pleasure. All righty. And thanks Thank to everybody you. tuning in. Yay. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>